Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome to the last episode of season three. I mean, maybe. Let's see how it goes. Probably. Eh? Probably, yeah, probably the last probably, one. Probably. Gosh, it's a little bit sad, though, isn't it? I mean, another yeah. season coming to a close. Oh, yeah. Our listeners aren't going to be writing in with kind words and pet-related questions. Well, maybe. I've just had an idea, Bernard. Maybe if we get a flurry of questions after this episode, we can do a Halloween special. Ooh, that'll be fun. Mm. So if you want to hear that, write in at... Tell them the email address. Ah, yes, so it's Madame Magenta. With an E. With an E, yes. So it's more like Madame. Like the French, actually, isn't it? How do you say it? Madame. Madame. Madame Magenta. Have we been saying it wrong all this time? Yes. All right. Well, it's it's Madame Magenta. The emphasis is on the damn. Damn, girl. Yes. All right. It's Madame Magenta UK at gmail.com. That's what it is. Yes. Yes. And we will do an extra spooky letters and cocktails episode. How about that? That sounds pretty good to me. A cocktail for every single listener problem. So send us in as many as you possibly yes, can. Yes, many as you can sort of stomach, really. Bernard, in a in a wee break from our normal sh- shit. Um, yes. I've yes. got something to ask. Do you think we should mention national events? Oh, God, do you mean the, the God save us? I mean, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It is sort of the only national event we're allowed to have at the moment, isn't it? Yes, and I, we had, the the reason being is we've got a lot of American listeners. Howdy, howdy, everyone. Howdy, partners. And we had an American send us their deepest condolences during this difficult time via email, didn't we? Yes. And I think if we don't address it, it's going to seem weird. We might actually upset people. Oh, God, well, I would never want to upset anyone, Bernard. You wouldn't, would you? No. And you know what? I have it on good authority that the Queen listened to this podcast. Yes, she did, didn't she? She loved podcasts. Yes. Big fan of Joe Rogan. Oh, yes. So Because she had a marvellous sense of humour, didn't she, Bernard? Everyone talks about the Absolutely Queen's marvellous sense of humour. Marvellous. Yes. I'm humor. a little bit worried about what you're about to say, though, my dear. I feel like we might be about to lose several hundred listeners. <laughs> Well, you know, if it's the last episode, isn't it? And if they leave, you know, it's because they don't have as good a sense of humour as the Queen. Yes, right, yes. Which, which in itself is an act of treason. It is, isn't yes. it? Yes. So the Queen, the Queen, let's do our tribute. What yes. can you say about her? What can you say about our dear Queen? 96 years old. 96? It's, it's no age. No age. It's no age, It's no it? age, yes, yes. So, oh, oh, I've got a good fact. Have you? Oh, oh, this is a doozy. Yes. So here's something not a lot of people know about the Queen. Gosh. She had an incredibly firm grip. Really? Yes. Well, she shook so many hands, didn't she, during That's her true. lifetime? Yes, she developed this sort of insane strength in her wrist and hand. 
It's almost superhuman, to be honest. Goodness so, me. for instance, if you were in line to meet the Queen and she didn't like you, she'd smile graciously and then absolutely pulverize your knuckles. Good yeah. Lord. And there wasn't a damn thing you could do about it. You just had to smile through it. You know, there was a famous victim of this, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra? Yes. He, he had his hands pulverized, didn't yes. he? Yes, yes. Well, you, there's proof. If you Google the Queen meets Frank Sinatra, you'll see the picture of him bowing over her hand. And right. I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you the story of that. So she heard he was in with the mob, you, you know, and she didn't like that. She was like, a family of criminals fleecing people of their money. And Frank Sinatra. <laughs> no, 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 no. We must no, keep no, it very, no. very, very... No, no, no. She was like, this town ain't big enough for the both of us because she had a marvellous sense of humour. There's that marvellous sense of humour. Legendary, yeah. her marvellous Yes. So when she she knew she was going to meet Frank at the film premiere, this film premiere thing, so she did a lot of extra exercises of the old grip. And they were all standing in line waiting to receive her. And as usual, she worked her way down the line, shaking hands completely normally. And then she came to Frank. Blue eyes met blue eyes. And she didn't like that either. No. There's only room for one blue eyes in this town. Stepping on her turf. Yes. So she took his hand and she dislocated every single bow. Gosh. In his hand. And she wouldn't let go either. It seemed like an honour to all those watching. They were like, look at Frank getting a lovely long handshake. Oh, she must like Frank. Quite the opposite. Everyone thought he was bowing to her as well. But what actually happened, he was in agony, you see. His knees had turned to jelly and his his blue eyes were watering. People thought it was emotion, that he was absolutely thrilled to meet the Queen, like the tears down his cheeks. (laughs) And she still wouldn't let him go, you know. She just kept talking to him, forcing him to make polite small chat. Small chat, (laughs) you know. For several minutes, while his hand was reduced to a floppy bag of jangling bone fragments. Extraordinary. What a story. Absolutely ruthless. Clash of the titans. Clash of the mob titans there. I mean, admirable. Admirable. I, I don't know who I would back in that fight. I mean, it's one of those scenes that you get in movies where two two really powerful people meet each other. Yes. And, and you, you're like, who's going to prevail? Yes. Who? Which one will eventually kill the other? <laughs> And, I mean, he couldn't retaliate. It's the Queen. It's the Queen everyone would see. What What would you do? Give her concrete shoes? Put her in the Thames? I, I don't think, think so. I think probably there are people keeping an eye on her so that that sort of thing doesn't happen. Oh, no, he knew when he was bested and he respected it too. Yes. He respected the power. They yes. do respect power, don't they? They other do. Mo- other mobsters. It's the only language they speak, yes. these people. Anyway, <laughs> there we go. Uh, True story. God bless her. God rest her soul. <laughs> Uh, R.I.P. and all that. No, yes. No, no. Very sad, very sad. And, um, uh, yeah. And now, for all four people still listening, the final instalment of the story we've been telling. Do a recap, Bernard. All right. So in the last episode, Magenta, Maybelline and I were in a remote corner of the country, standing in an ancient peat bog, which is where they often find very well-preserved corpses from the Ice Age and such like, isn't it? Yes, yes. yes. And if you put one of them in a blender, Uh, they make an excellent stock for soups, gravies, summoning spells. So there you go. That's how we summoned Glandiform, actually. Oh, God, I wasn't going to tell anyone. People get funny about corpse fiddling, but you let the cat out of the bag, Bernard. I, I, I just said an interesting fact. I didn't think you'd tell them about the summoning recipe given to us by the crone who lives in a well. The listeners would have guessed, Bernard. You gave them too many pieces of the puzzle. 
Anyway, keep going with the recap. All right. So Weed summoned Glandiform and he just agreed to cancel the curse, but then Magenta's soul was zapped into the hedgehog toothbrush holder that she was carrying in her pocket, and this broke the summoning circle. Let's read from your diary now, Bernie. Oh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, All right, then. I really thought we were about to wrap things up just in the nick of time. Glandiform was moments away from disabling the curse when suddenly it had its wicked way with my darling wife. One moment she was addressing the demon, eyes bright, back erect, she has marvellous posture, like a Spartan warrior from that film about Spartan warriors. And then the next moment she'd slumped into the peat, face first, just to make matters more complicated. What could I do? I leapt across the summoning triangle and scooped her up to prevent her from suffocating. Note, at the time, I was entirely focused on Magenta and had no awareness of what else was occurring. And there was rather a lot occurring. Cradling Magenta's head under my right hand, I used my left to remove the toothbrush holder containing Magenta's soul from the pocket of her flowing Moo. And then I was momentarily flummoxed. I needed to smash the ceramic toothbrush holder in order to transport Magenta's soul back into her body. But one... We were in the shallow end of a peat bog, so I couldn't just lob it at the ground, because the ground was soft and sticky and would swallow it whole. And two, I had actually brought along a toffee hammer, but I couldn't use it, because... Actually, will our listeners know about toffee hammers? Oh, probably not. We should probably explain that, shouldn't we? Yes, well, uh, so there used to be a tradition, I guess, in this country. God bless tradition, for it has truly led to the bountiful and equal state we find ourselves in today. Absolutely, yes. Anyway, there used to be a tradition in this country, I think at Christmas time, wasn't it, Bernard? Uh, sounds about right, of yes. Of eating toffee that was so incredibly hard, it was sold with its own small hammer, a toffee hammer. So instead of making softer toffee that was nice to eat, we just smashed up this this slab of concrete and valiantly ate toffee that you could cut diamonds with. And that's why the English have such terrible teeth. There you go. It's a very Mm. educational podcast, this, isn't it? So anyway, yes, I had a toffee hammer that I'd been planning to smash the ceramic with when the time came. But I had magenta in one hand and the toothbrush holder in the other and thus couldn't retrieve the toffee hammer, which was on a string around my neck. Normally, I would have put it in my pocket, but I had no pockets as I was otherwise naked. And daubed in runes, weren't you? Yes. Because mm. the crone who lived down a well was very insistent about the nudity and the runes. Though she was smirking at the time, so I did wonder whether it was just for her own amusement. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Because I do that kind of thing. People come to me and they're like, I've got an interview and I want to have a lot of confidence. So I give them, like, some, this is a bit behind the scenes here. But I give them like a, an aromatherapy thing and I say, stand on one foot, uh, pop the national anthem and, you know, it'll make you feel more confident for your interview or whatever. Gosh, well, that was a little peek behind the curtain, wasn't it? Into Magenta's process. Anyway, panicked, as time was ticking by, I tried to shuffle Magenta onto my thighs in order to free my hand. Alas, Magenta's limp body went into a sideways roll and landed face first in my lap. Where I may well have suffocated due to the sheer size and heft of your cock and b- Even when flaccid. Quite. However, I didn't want to wait any longer. So, uh, well, I allowed you to stay there while I removed the toffee hammer and whacked it upon the toothbrush holder. Nothing withstands a toffee hammer, and the holder shattered into a thousand pieces. In that moment, I felt the whoosh of Magenta's soul leave the cursed object and fly into the prone body of my marvellous wife. She awoke, still face down in... uh, (laughs) Literally a rude awakening. Oh, eh? yes. yes it's very, it? very good. Yes, a yes. rude awakening. Rather uh, rude, very yes. Because I was face down in your hog. Absolutely, yes. Mm. Uh, for balance, shall we swap to your diary now, my All dear? Right. Yes, why not? <clears throat> okay, my diary. 
Here we go. I awoke with the large fleshy hog of my darling husband in my face. Bernard and I struggled to our feet, fear and dread in my heart. We had broken the triangle. Unbound by the ritual, Glandiform had had the opportunity to enter the physical realm as himself, or if he didn't fancy that, he could possess a human body. Which indeed he had done. The latter one he had done. Maybelline? I asked of our third member, already knowing the answer. I think you mean Glandiform? Stephen's body replied. Because if you remember, Maybelline had possessed Stephen's body, but now Glandiform was in Stephen. Hmm, yes, exactly. Where's Maybelline? I shrieked, worried about my friend. Because she had indeed become a friend. Oh, that's nice. Yes, isn't isn't it nice? Her soul is with me, trapped, tethered to this body. I can hear her desperate pleas to be released. (laughs) I love it. Glandy crowed. Oh, demons are so predictable. If they can make things unpleasant for someone, they will, just for shits and giggles. What about Stephen? Where's he? Bernard asked, and Glandy frowned. Stephen? Who's that? Oh, oh, hang on. What's this? He frowned and went very still, in that way you do when something unpleasant is happening internally, normally something's to do with one's intestines. Who is... Oh, is that Stephen? Glandiform had evidently located Stephen, also tethered to his body. He's a bit pompous, isn't he? Said Glandy. He's telling me he invented Britpop. That's not true, is it? No, it certainly is not, said Bernard emphatically, who had heard that many times before from Stephen's lips. There's something about a sentiment that is not only wrong, but also repeated casually many, many times, that is more infuriating than a thousand fire ants. It's not true, Stephen. Please stop saying that. It doesn't hold up to scrutiny. Bernard bellowed, fists clenched. I'm proud of you, darling, I said. You tell him. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I'm not putting up with this. This isn't fun. Nope. Glandy said, and then directed his gaze towards Bernard. His eyes lit up, and I instantly knew what the bugger was thinking. He was going to hop bodies. Bernard! I screamed, just as Stephen's body crumpled to the ground. Glandy had left it, which meant... Bernard! Are you still Bernard? I cried, grabbing his shoulders. Uh, Yes, dear. He said, blinking. And then we both looked down. Not that far down. Get your mind out of Bernard's crotch. We both looked down, for the runes across his torso were giving forth tremendous heat. Ouch! said Bernard, as the runes became welts before our eyes. Some of the welts began to bleed. Oh, ouch! The runes are keeping him at bay. There was a point to them, I said. Their protection from demon possession. Ah! Bernard moaned as the runes throbbed. I think he's still trying to get in. He seems quite determined to possess me. He's seen the size of your c**k, that's why. Said Maybelline behind me. I swung round. Maybelline was back in control of Stephen's body. Step aside, Mags. She said. I'm going to get Glandy back in the summoning circle. Pentagram. Triangle. Whatever. And thence back to the demon realm where he belongs. But how are you going to do that? I asked as Bernard slumped against me for comfort, moaning, clutching at the runes. Maybelline sighed. (sighs) He's in the ether surrounding Bernard, trying to force his way in. It'll take an unbodied soul to wrestle him into submission. Unbodied soul? You mean you're going to leave Stephen's body and challenge a demon in the astral plane? Yep. 
I've had a lot of practice inhabiting liminal spaces. I reckon I've got a chance. But that might be dangerous, Maybelline. Magenta, come on now. We're family. Does our bloodline flinch at danger? Yes! Yes, but we do it anyway, because we're... I don't know, bored? With that, Maybelline smiled, winked, and before I could say anything else, the light dimmed from her eyes, and Stephen's body crumpled to the ground once more. Ouch! Said Bernard again, the sweat standing out on his forehead. And then... Ooh. And... Blimey, this hurts! And then, thankfully... Oh, oh, Magenta, I think it's subsiding. Yes, it, it doesn't hurt as much. Oof. It's working, I said. She's doing it! She's ready doing it! <gasps> I gasped. But the triangle is enclosed. If we're to send him back, then we need... Oh, oh, what the fuck? Said Stephen, rising from the peat. I could tell by his boorish vocal tone that it was indeed Stephen himself, finally back in his body and looking extremely befuddled. I grabbed him by the arm and dragged him to Maybelline's point of the triangle. Stay there, I shouted, hoping the urgency in my voice would force him to obey. Get back in position, Bernard, I cried, and resumed my own spot, just in time for the writhing, screaming form of Glandy to manifest in the middle of the triangle. His outline was indistinct, his form hard to understand with the human eye. And then he transmutated into a stroppy note on the windscreen of a badly parked Toyota, before poof, disappearing. Is that the end? Well, you know, yes. Well, well, not quite. I mean, then we had to go and rescue Maybelline from the clutches of Glandiform in the demon dimension, Don't, didn't we? Yes, Remember? we did have to do that. But that's a story for another season, I think. Yes, good idea, yes, yes. yes. But uh, should we tell the people about the magic powers I now have that came about as a result of those agonising runes? Oh, yes, yes, well, yes, we should do that. So, you see, listeners, Bernard can now do the most outrageous things. I mean, so things that even I cannot do. It's amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing, isn't it, Bernard? Yes. It's, it's, thr it's thrilling, I tell you what. So, first up, he's capable of... Good heavens. Oh, my God. Jean. What's, what's wrong? Uh, Bernard, grab some hot towels yes, yes, or something. I, well, I yes. don't know. Or is that for birth? Uh, Jean, are you all right? Bernard, uh, take this. It is the lost... Gospel of... Uh, uh, uh. Oh, God. oh, God. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Congratulations. You've reached the Amelia Project. A new life awaits. If you're not serious about this, hang up. If you continue, there's no way back. Leave your message after the beep. Enter the offices of the Amelia Project and be ready for surprises, twists and turns. Follow the Amelia team as they help their clients fake their deaths and come back with new identities. Each episode is different. Each client coming to the death faking agency has a unique story to tell. If death and disappearances, comedy and crime, mystery and magic sounds like your cup of cocoa, The Amelia Project is the podcast for you. 
Search for The Amelia Project wherever you find your podcasts. And remember, leave your message after the beep.